This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Good morning, Cam. Good morning, Todd. Uh, so... I thought this week we would take some time to look at the impact that presidential elections have on what we track, asset flows. Yes. Uh, just to, as, as kind of an interesting aside, we thought we'd take a look at the Iowa caucus, so a little more U.S.-focused, uh, but every year Iowa uh, has, or every presidential election year, Iowa holds the first-in-the-nation caucus. Right. This year, famous for delay. Yes. <laughs> uh, so they, I think, how long did it take to get the results out this oh, year? Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> if you accept the results that are out there, I think it took the better part of two weeks. Right. So uh, I think there's certainly quite a bit of worry that that first-in-the-nation status may go away one day. Yes, uh, you, both uh, Iowa and New Hampshire are constantly sort of trying to keep ahead of the the big beasts in more populous states who really feel that their time as first in the nation has passed. So this week we thought we'd start off with Super Tuesday tomorrow by taking a look at some of the quick stats about the Iowa caucus. Uh, so Des Moines Visitors Bureau predicts caucus activity will generate $11.3 million in impact just for Des Moines in the weeks leading up to the caucus. Uh, small state, that has a big impact. We talk about flows going into emerging markets, not to compare Iowa to emerging markets, but those sort, that sort of money has a real impact. It does, and it's, that's certainly, I think, one of the drivers for uh, both Iowa and New Hampshire clinging so vigorously to their first-in-the-nation status. In Iowa, during an election year, restaurants can earn anywhere uh, north of $20,000 additional during the month. So keep in mind, this year, I think we had eight campaigns, roughly 100 staffers, and at least 15 field offices. That's a lot of apartments, offices, food, etc. To jump into the way that we normally track flows, um, let's take a look through the sectors. And what I thought we'd do is talk a little bit about whether we see an impact or what impact we see if Trump gets reelected, if a far left candidate gets elected, or if a moderate gets elected. So let's take a look first at the tech sector. Okay. So. What sort of impact can you expect if there is a re-election this year? Um, if there's a re-election, I think it, it remains a, a status quo situation. Um, President Trump clearly regards the stock market as a major barometer of his presidency. Um, it's no secret that uh, a fairly small number of the largest tech plays have been driving the rally we've seen over the past two years. Uh, I can only believe that he is going as much as he can uh, to try and keep that uh, scenario in play for as long as he can. So more of the same with a re-election? Yes. Uh, how about a far-left challenger? 
Um, a far left challenger is certainly going to t be looking at the tax sector on a, on a number of levels that aren't particularly favorable to their current business model. Honestly, I think the most likely outcome it would be a kind of quid pro quo, um, accepting a higher tax burden uh, in return for the administration not pressing uh, as aggressively with some of its privacy, trust-busting, regulatory initiatives that uh, are making the rounds. And how about with a moderate candidate? Um, with a moderate candidate, um, it uh, that one is much more open. Um, it depends how much uh, regulation of the tech sector was part of that moderate candidate's uh, message and hence their road to the office. Um, if they campaigned to a fair degree on the basis that they were going to tighten regulation and taxation of the tech sector, uh, I think they would be bound to follow through uh, if that wasn't a key part of the message. If they were, say, more focused on the financial sector, then the more status quo situations likely. Let's move on to energy. So ESG is obviously a hot topic around these parts. Yes. Um, what sort of uh, what sort of impact do you think a far left candidate would have on the energy sector in a, in a four year term? Um, based on the European experience, there is no doubt that they would try to implement uh, a number of the measures they're promising. Um, you only have to look at uh, Germany's experience with the Green Party as it's risen to greater influence uh, to see that uh, uh, rhetoric is likely to be translated into action. Um, so, uh, you know, we are likely to see a fair amount of disruption uh, because the U.S. has developed this uh, ecologically questionable uh, but uh, very uh, very positive economically fracking industry, um, you, the equation in the U.S. Uh, is going to be a little more fraught. Um, it's not as if uh, weaning ourselves off fossil fuels now is simply a question of closing our ports to oil tankers from Saudi Arabia. Right, the infrastructure's here, the yes. jobs are here, here. etc. And uh, it's also, I think, true that uh, the further left you go, the more important employment comes in to be in terms of sort of political legitimacy uh, in the way that uh, Trump reveres the stock market as an index of of uh, his ability to lead the economy. Traditionally, uh, socialists in Europe have viewed the number of people they have in, in employment, and by their lights, good employment, uh, as the real metric of success. Um, so that raises some basic obstacles to being overly aggressive in uh, trying to reorganize the U.S. energy sector and uh, of course, the car industry is is sort of uh, closely correlated uh, to that. Um, but I think you could see, you would see uh, really sort of uh, <laughs> the end of nuclear energy as a viable option. Um, 
and you a lot more federal money going into um, energy saving technologies, uh, re renewable resources and the like. Um, so the playing field would definitely change. Uh, I don't think, uh, I think in some ways a moderate could be more damaging to the oil industry than somebody on the far left. Uh, How so? Uh, as I said, you know, I think a person on the far left will be sort of watching the unemployment numbers with uh, and a, a moderate may not be as, yes. as concerned with that. Right. Uh, how about a Trump re-election for the energy sector? <laughs> well, I am pretty sure that that is what they are currently hoping for, um, uh, in which case the bandwagon rolls on for another four years, um, and uh, you don't see enormous change. So do we, leading up to the election... Do we start to see an impact based on what the predicted outcome is? So if, for instance, if polls are showing a heavy uh, a landslide Trump re-election, do we see inflows into the energy sector or, or uh, investors a little more uh, patient? Um, I think uh, historically you would expect to see uh, that, that kind of reaction and in past election cycles where uh, the candidates have been viewed as being fairly far apart on their care and feeding of the energy sector, we have seen it. The equation this time around is somewhat different in that uh, uh, global demand uh, <coughs> seems to be plateauing. Uh, well, global supply is pretty good, so uh, energy prices are, are not uh, uh, have been struggling to break the $60 a, a barrel mark. So uh, the fundamentals aren't hugely attractive at the moment anyhow. Um, the CapEx cycle for U.S. energy is somewhat shorter uh, than the global one. Um, we aren't drilling very many deep water wells at the moment. We are kind of moving fracking rigs into the next county and and sending them down. Um, so I think you will see some reaction, but it'll be fairly tactical. Uh, and I don't think people will, uh, investors will be, you know, making too big of an adjustment uh, on the energy front. Uh, let's move over to the healthcare sector. Um, so let's start with a Trump re-election. What sort of impact do you anticipate seeing in the healthcare uh, funds, ETFs that we track if there's a Trump re-election? Uh, I do expect um, to see much more movement that is sort of politically driven in the healthcare sector and the funds t dedicated to that that we track. Um, you, partly uh, that's due again to the capex issue, the, uh, the the sort of cycle of developing a drug. Uh, from start to hopefully getting it to market is in years. Um, so if uh, there is a feeling that uh, the, the next four years after the election uh, are going to see somebody like uh, Bernie Sanders uh, or Elizabeth Warren directing policy, um, you need to sort of make your mind up fairly quickly as to whether you're going to risk uh, capital either directly or through investments uh, in that kind of scenario. 
How about a moderate candidate? Again, there the the issue is going to be how much health care was part of the platform that got them to the office. Could you give us some examples? Yes. So um, um, if you look across the, the, the democratic spectrum, uh, you, you range from pretty much outright nationalism of the bulk of the system um, through to um, Mike Bloomberg's uh, assertion that he will build on uh, on what Obamacare has already achieved and make expanding coverage the focus um, of uh, his health care policy. Obamacare has has been quite good for most of the institutional players. Um, and I would think that if Bloomberg came to power, um, it would uh, the uh, healthcare landscape would continue to favor you know, established uh, hospital operators, health insurers, um, and but would might well be uh, a bit more tricky for um, biotech firms uh, and the more innovative side. And in general, I know there's. Uh, a tendency for the healthcare sector to underperform during presidential election years. So that probably doesn't uh, bode well for things either. Yes. Well, there's that old saw that uh, healthcare and democracy uh, really can't coexist because uh, um, when your health is threatened, you'll spend anything you have to preserve it. Uh, if you're in the position to spend other people's money, there's no limit. So. Uh, let's take a look finally at the financial sector. Uh, so how does that play one way versus the other? Well, the financial sector is currently, I think, in the position of being a punching bag on both sides of the political spectrum. Um, and in fact, no surprise to anyone who's followed it, uh, it is riddled with perverse incentives. And these um, apply to political relations as well, um, as as the, the mayors and governors of uh, East and West Coast states have discovered since Trump uh, capped the deductibility um, of state and local taxes, um, a lot of the more progressive parts of the country are very heavily dependent on the financial sector for a goodly chunk of their tax revenue. And that can be tens of thousands of dollars per individual oh, in yes. a lot of cases. Yes. Um, you know, given that taxation is, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, an exercise in trying to get the maximum feathers with the minimum hissing from the goose, um, having geese that nobody like with plenty of feathers on them. <laughs> it, it, it works out. It works out. So in that case, it might actually, we might not see real, I, you may see clamping down on the industry uh, under a, uh, a far left candidate, but they, they still do need that, that kind of tax pool. Right. Um, so um, I think in the regulatory sphere, there's a chance, especially if Elizabeth Warren somehow pulls out of the pack, which isn't looking so likely now. Um, and I think her kind of regulation would uh, probably have a, a more immediate impact on 
on the sector just in that some of the avenues to profitability would in all likelihood be closed down. Uh, so Trump re-election, any, any thought to the impact as far as yeah. asset flows into, into that sector? Um, I think Trump's re-election would be neutral to mildly negative. He uh, has certainly shown uh, a great desire to have interest rates pushed to the floor. As we said <coughs> earlier in this conversation, he really seems to regard the stock market as his favored barometer of success. Um, pushing interest rates to the floor is not good for the standard banking model. Um, <coughs> so I can, I can see his re-election uh, while being sort of a, a plus on the laissez-faire regulatory front uh, to being uh, viewed as a mild negative on the fundamentals of banking front. Great. Thanks, Cam. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcasts.